Good morning. If you have your Bible, I invite you to go ahead and open to Luke chapter 10 and put a marker there. And then turn back to Matthew chapter 5, where we have been for the last several, several weeks. Luke 10, mark that, and then Matthew chapter 5. For the last several weeks, we have been going through the Gospel of Matthew. We've been looking at these different texts, and uh, we're looking now as, as, as Jesus is sort of establishing His authority and in, in his, his teaching. And specifically for the last few weeks, the last five weeks, we've been looking at what we could consider a series within a series. As we're looking at these Beatitudes, and as we've said from the beginning, there are these, these eight little sentences, these eight succinct, succinct sayings that are loaded with so much power. And we're, we're, we're looking at them and we realize they're taking us on a, a journey. And today we come, to the, we come to the fifth one. You know, with all that is going on in the world today, it is very tempting to either go by yourself or to grab your family and to just go find some place where nobody can find you, where there is no TV, where you're not connected to anybody, and just sort of wall yourself off and it's just you or you and your family and God. Is that not a tempting thing to do with everything that is going on around us today? It is so tempting because it's just, you look at the world and it's full of chaos and it's full of turmoil and it's full of, of brokenness. And sometimes it's just like, you know what, God, I just want it to be me and you. I just want it to be us. I just want to be at a place where I can worship you and, and not be distracted and not have all of these other things going on. And there are people that have done this. You look at these monastic societies that have gone off and sort of sequestered themselves. And it is just about their devotion to God. And there is certainly a, a, a time and a place for that. But I think to live in that environment 100% of the time is about the farthest point from discipleship that Jesus wants from us. I think He wants more than that. You see, Jesus expressed His love for God. He expressed His love for God, and one of the ways that He did it is He entered our world. He entered a world of sinners. He entered a world of, of brokenness and, 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 and suffering. He didn't remain in heaven where there was this undistracted devotion to God. He came down to earth. He became one of us. And now He's teaching us and He's leading us. And it's through these, these Beatitudes we realize that, that with each one, He is leading us closer to God. He's leading us closer to the Father, closer to the kind of disciples that, that He wants us to be. And when each step we make toward God, it is a step away from ourselves. It is a step closer to God. And so we've been thinking of them as, as sort of this, this mountain climbing journey. It starts at the bottom. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who, who recognize their sin. And then the next step toward God is mourning over that sin. It's one thing to recognize it, but it's another to be sorrowful for our 
sin. And it's when we get to that point that we say, blessed are the meek. Which means blessed are those who are willing to yield to the will of God. Willing to say, God, not what I want, but you want. What you want in my life, your will be done. And then last week we made the summit attempt. As Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. And it's at that place when we come into the presence of God, when everything that we want is God. The first and foremost thoughts we have are of God and of His kingdom and of Jesus and of His grace and love and mercy. It is there that it is no longer God uh, I, I ought to do your will. God, I want to do your will because I'm so full of you. I am feasting on your love. And you get up to the top of the mountain. And it's, it's good. And it's beautiful to be in the presence of God. And we could be like, like Peter and, and James and John when they went up with Jesus in, in Matthew 17 on the, the Mount of Transfiguration and Jesus is transfigured in front of them. And Peter says, hey, Jesus, it is good for us to be here. Let us set up three booths, three tabernacles, one for you and Elijah and Moses. But no sooner do we get to the top of the mountain and get comfortable in being in the presence of God, then Jesus points us back down the other side. And He says, blessed are the merciful. For they will receive mercy. You see, it's so tempting. It is so tempting to want to stay on the mountaintop with God, is it not? Why? Because there we're in God's presence. We're surrounded by love. We're surrounded by perfection. We're surrounded by the holiness of God. And it is so easy to want to remain there, but Jesus says, no, no, no. Now you're in God's presence. You're being transformed. Now, now you have to go. And He points us back down the other side of the mountain, back down to the messy inconvenient world of people. People who are in need. People who are, 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 are broken. People who are in need of mercy. But the descent, the descent is dangerous. There is the danger that we might fall back into our old way of life. And so we must be careful. And so Jesus says, blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. I don't know about you, and you, you respond by a, a yes or no. I know we're tired this morning because we, we lost an hour of sleep. Okay, we lost that hour. I saw a friend say, hey, don't look at it as losing an hour of sleep. Look at it as you get to worship the Lord sooner. So <laughs> there's a positive spin on it. Okay, now then, we're all tired. I get that. But how many of you are grateful for the mercy of God? Yes, I mean, I am grateful for God's mercy. How many of you need the mercy of God? Absolutely. Who only needed it one time and you're done? Anybody? If you are, you're doing better than me. Okay, because I need the mercy of God every single stinking day of my life. And more likely, every hour of every day of my life, I need the mercy of God. How about you? Are you with me? We need that mercy. And see, here's the thing. The way this beatitude works, it's, 
It's kind of like what Jesus said with forgiveness. He said, if you want to be forgiven, what do you have to do? you got to forgive. Jesus says right here, blessed are the merciful. Okay? If we are merciful, what will we receive in return? Mercy. That's how we're supposed to respond to people. The first four are about moving into the presence of God and being transformed more and more like God. And now it's as we're transforming into the, the presence and the, and the being, trying to become more God-like, we take those attributes and we begin to put them in practice as we deal with one another, as we, as we deal with people who are hurt and, and broken. And so Jesus says, blessed are those who are merciful for they will receive, they will obtain, they will obtain mercy. Well, mercy is one of those, those funny words. And the thing is, is there, there's more to mercy than just words. And it's more than, than just feeling sorry for someone. You know, you, you see someone, a, a homeless person, or somebody who's gone through a divorce, or, or they've lost their job, or lost their home, you know, you, you feel for them. You, you genuinely do. We feel for them. But mercy is more than that. It does begin at feelings, but it moves to action. That's, that's what mercy is. It begins with feelings and then moves to action. When Jesus cried out for mercy, He didn't just feel sorry for people, did He? He moved. He, he did something about it. And that's what Jesus is calling us to. You see, there, there, can be, there can be no compassionate activity. There can be no real mercy if we stay on the mountaintop, right? If we just sequester ourselves and it's just us and God all the time, how are we going to be the people to show mercy? Because God doesn't need mercy, right? Let's acknowledge that. God doesn't need our mercy. Who needs our mercy? We all do. And not just us in here, everybody out there. So that means God doesn't want us to stay on the mountaintop. For us to be merciful, we have to go and mix it up with each other and other people that are like us and not like us. We have to be in the presence of people in order to extend, to extend that, that mercy Mercy demands immersion into people's lives. It demands that we get close enough to, to hear their groans, maybe to smell their smells, and it insists that we extend ourselves to help. Martin Lloyd-Jones puts it this way. He says, we're not called upon as Christians to be or try to be Christian. We are Christians. And our actions are the outcome of that. Does that make sense? We're not trying to be Christians. We, if, if we have named the name Jesus, if we are followers of Christ, then that's what we are. And everything that we do flows from that from the fact that we are Christians. It becomes our, our whole life because we are full. We are the people who are fulfilled because we have hungered and thirsted for righteousness. We've submitted our will to God. We have mourned our sin. We have confessed our sin. 
And we are Christians. And the things that we do are because of who we are. It's not just, just something, not just something that we do. William Barclay, the Scottish theologian, he gives this, this definition of mercy. He says, mercy is the ability to get inside other people's skin until we see things with their eyes and think things with their minds, feel things with their feelings. Now that's easy, isn't it? No. That's incredibly difficult. And you know as well as I know that a lot of times we don't do a good job at this. How many times, how, how easy is it to look past people? How easy is it to judge people based on what it is they're doing? Or where they happen to find themselves, their station in life. How easy is it to write off an entire people group? But if we're going to be the people of mercy, then it requires that, that I see you. That we see people, and not just see, we really see. To where I try to understand where that person is and where that person is coming from. I try to understand the, the, the situation that they find themselves in. And maybe it was because of choices they made, but maybe it was because choices that were made for them or against them. And then what that does is that causes me to change my thinking. To not be judgmental. Oh, I can't believe that person did that. Why would I associate with somebody like that? But, you know what? Maybe I can understand a little bit. That helps me to be more compassionate. That helps me to, to be more merciful. That, that helps me to look at the, 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 the homeless person differently. That helps me to look at the person who is broken. The person who is Lonely. That helps me to understand how somebody from Syria who is trying to escape terrorism might want to come here. And it helps me see maybe that's not just an entire people group. It's not just a people that are full of terrorists, but there are people who are desperately trying to save their families from terror. And instead of writing off an entire group, it helps me to have mercy toward people like that. It helps me to understand, and we still have to be discerning, but it keeps me from writing off an entire group of people. Mercy is not easy, but it's what Jesus calls us to. In Luke chapter 10, there's this, this incredible story that Jesus tells that, that that demonstrates what mercy looks like. In verse 25, it uh, says that there is a, a lawyer who comes to Jesus. Now, a lawyer is not a lawyer like we think of a lawyer, like an attorney. A lawyer is someone who knows the law. You know, they've studied the law. They're the scribes. They're the ones who basically come behind everybody else and say, yes, what he said was right, what he said was wrong. Here's the best interpretation. Here's the right one. That's what the lawyers did. Okay, it would be like, you know, the elders coming behind me saying, no, what he said, don't listen to that. That wasn't right. Okay, um, let me fix what he said. Okay, it, it, it's kind of like that. 
So the lawyer knows, he should know, he's a smart guy, and he stands up, he wants to question Jesus, he wants to test him. And he says, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, well, what does the law say? And the lawyer says, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, you're right. You've given the right answer. Do this, and you will live. In other words, hey, it's about loving God, loving people, and serving the world. Okay? If you do those things, you will have eternal life. But it says in verse 29 that he wanted to justify himself. And, I, you know, maybe there's a crowd standing around. Maybe he wants to make himself look better. Maybe he really just honestly wanted more clarification. But he says to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And then Jesus tells this story. Verse 30. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by, he passed by on the other side. So you got these two guys, this, this, this priest and this Levite. And for all intents and purposes, these are God's ministers. They're God's workers. And they're traveling for some reason from uh, Jerusalem down the road to Jericho, and they come across this guy who's been mugged, he's been beaten, he's been thrown in the ditch, left for dead. Okay, just left there to die. And they see him, and they pass by on the other side of the road. Now then, it's really easy to label those guys as sort of the villains in this story. Okay, but maybe it's they were going to Jerusalem or going to Jericho to perform some service, some duty, and they're thinking to themselves, Lord, you know, I, I really want to help, but if I touch this person, what does that make them? Makes them unclean. So God, I can't. I'm going to, I'm just, I see them, but I'm going to, I'm going to keep going. Okay, so maybe we can let them off the hook right there. I don't know. But then notice what Jesus says. Verse 33, he said, But a Samaritan, and that's important, because who do the Jews basically hate more than anybody except the Romans? The Samaritans. The half-breed Jews. They don't like those people. Okay, they don't like the Samaritans. They would go around Samaria to get to a place on the other side instead of passing straight through it. Okay, so he does this on purpose. Jesus is going for shock value. And he says, but a Samaritan, while traveling, came near him. And when he saw him, he was moved with pity or moved with compassion. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and wine on them. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii. He gave them to the innkeeper and said, take care of him, and when I come back, I'll repay you. Whatever more you spend. He sees the man laying there in the road and he is filled with compassion. Feels it in his guts. And he's moved to act. He goes to him. He gets off his animal. He bandages his wounds. He puts the man on his own animal, donkey or camel or whatever it might be, and then takes him to an end, puts him in a room, cares for him overnight, it says, keep caring for him, and if there's any more expense, I'll cover it. He was compassionate. Now then, 
Jesus tells this story, and in verse 36, he turns back to the lawyer, and he says, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robber? He said, the one who showed him mercy. Jesus says, go and do likewise. Go and show mercy. Get involved. Get your hands dirty. Be compassionate. Be compassionate to people. So that, that brings us to our, our, our growth point of the day. And it's mercy requires three things of us. Okay? Mercy requires three things. The first is it requires eyes that see. Okay? Now then, we understand what eyes that see means. It's not just, hey, I see the person and that's it. But it means eyes that really see. It's that, that definition that, that William Barclay gave us. That, that getting inside another person's skin, seeing through their eyes, thinking their thoughts, trying to feel how they feel. It is to see somebody, not just see them. But it requires eyes that see. The second thing, the second thing is it requires hearts that have compassion. Okay? To feel empathy for them, sympathy for them, to want to do something. And then that leads us to having hands that act. These are the things that, that mercy requires of us. It's more than just seeing. It's more than just feeling sorry for someone. But it's both of those things that move us then to act. It moves us then to follow Jesus' words when He says, go and do likewise. When you see people broken, when you see people hurting, go and do likewise. Listen to the words of this song. From a broken sky Traced out by the city lights My world from a mile high Best seat in the house tonight Touchdown in the cold black top Hold on for the sudden stop Breathing the familiar shock Of confusion and chaos All those people Going somewhere Why have I never cared? Give me your eyes for just one second Give me your eyes so I can see Everything that I keep missing Give me your love for humanity Give me your arms for the broken hearted The ones that are far beyond my reach Give me your heart for the ones forgotten Give me your eyes so I can see Yeah 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 Step out on a busy street See a girl in our eyes meet Does her best to smile at me To hide what's underneath There's a man just to right Black suit and a bright red tie Too ashamed to tell his wife He's out of work, he's buying time All those people going somewhere Why have I never cared? 
Give me your eyes for just one second Give me your eyes so I can see Everything that I keep missing Give me your love for humanity Give me your arms for the broken hearted The ones that are far beyond my reach Give me your heart for the ones forgotten Give me your eyes so I can see Yeah Yeah yeah, yeah. I've been here a million times, a couple million eyes just moving past me by. I swear I never thought that I was wrong. Well, I want a second glance, so give me a second chance to see the way you've seen the people all along. Give me your eyes for just one second. Give me your eyes so I can see Everything that I keep missing Give me your love for humanity Give me your arms for the broken hearted The ones that are far beyond my reach Give me your heart for the ones forgotten Give me your eyes so I can see Give me your eyes for just one second Give me your eyes so I can see Everything that I keep missing That I keep missing Every day, we are confronted by people who have been victimized by Satan. They're, they're all around us, and, and maybe we're part of that group. But every day, we are, are confronted by people who are crying out for mercy. We can't show mercy if we stay on the mountaintop with God. It's easy to ignore those people, isn't it? I mean, I, I grew up in Atlanta. And every time we would go into the city, you know, we'd get off the, the exit ramps, and, and right there at the end of the exit ramps would be the panhandlers. Okay, and, and they were there every time we went into the city, and they'd be there with a newspaper in their hand and a spray bottle, and they would just begin washing your, your windows without permission. And they wanted a handout. They wanted something. And I'll be honest with you, I learned not to see those people. Okay, I knew where the bridges were in Atlanta where the homeless people lived. And I knew the hedges that they, they crawled into at night to find warmth. And I learned, I learned not to see them. I knew they were there. But I learned to look past them. Mercy requires more than that. Mercy requires eyes that see. It requires a, a, a heart full of compassion it requires hands that, that are, are willing to act. You see, Jesus 
Jesus was reckless with the mercy that he showed. Jesus, when he was teaching and those those four guys tore back the roof and and lowered the paralytic down he didn't say hey what are you guys doing i'm in the middle of of trying to preach a sermon i'm trying to teach he stopped what he was doing and he healed the man and more than that better than that he forgave him in mark chapter 5 when jesus is on his way to the house of Jairus to heal his sick little daughter. And that woman who had that that bleeding problem for 12 years stumbles out of the crowd and grabs his robes and is healed. Jesus doesn't turn around and, 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 and curse her for doing that. He doesn't criticize her. He doesn't say, what are you doing? Don't you know I'm on my way to heal somebody? You're slowing the process down. But the story says that he sat with her and allowed her to tell him the whole truth 12 years worth of suffering you don't just tell that in a couple of minutes when jesus was dying on the cross and the thief is crying out for mercy jesus doesn't say look i'm dying for the sins of the world i don't have time for you jesus was reckless with his mercy jesus was never so focused on 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 piety and being religious and getting things right that he became blind to people that are hurting. He was reckless with his mercy, and that's that's what we must be as well. He calls us to go and do the same. He calls us to step into others' places, step into their skin, see through their eyes, think with their minds, feel what they feel, and to be and then to act, and to be reckless with, with mercy. Now this morning, I'm, I'm not going to offer an, an invitation. However, you know that the invitation to Jesus is always open, and, and you can respond in any way, and maybe you just respond in your chairs this morning. But what I want to do is I want to issue a challenge. I want to issue a challenge to, to, to every one of us that, that named the name Jesus. And we'll just, we'll call it the, the mercy challenge. This week, as we, as we go out, I want to first ask that as, as we pray, that we ask God to give us the eyes that see and have hearts that are full of compassion and to give us hands that are, are willing to act. And uh, I have a feeling that God will answer that prayer pretty quickly. You know, and, and, and chances are, you probably already know someone who is hurting, who could use a touch of Jesus, who could use just, just mercy, somebody that the world is just kind of beating up on and, and just kind of just, you know, nothing is going right for them. The challenge is to go and be merciful to that person. However it might be, if it's helping them with their yard work or helping them with whatever it might be, if it's helping them with their, their kids or helping them work through something, if it's being a listening ear, if it's buying them a meal, or washing their car, or or whatever it might be. But I want to ask that every single person look for for someone this week that, that you can extend mercy to. And here's the thing, I don't want it to just be a, a, a one-time thing. I want us to be the people of mercy. I want our, our, our church to be known as a church that is merciful. 
Well, that sounds like a pretty good reputation to me. Doesn't it to you? I want us to be known as that kind of people. And if we're going to be the, the disciples that God calls us to be, then that's what we will be. We will be people who are merciful. Jesus says, blessed are the merciful. For they will receive mercy. We have all kinds of neighbors around us who are hurting. We have all kinds of people that are living in brokenness. That are the victims of Satan. Those are our neighbors. The words to the lawyer are the same words to us when Jesus says, which one was the neighbor? And he said, go and do likewise. Or he said, the man who showed mercy, and Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. Those words to that lawyer are the same to us. When we see those people, we are to go and do likewise. I want to ask you to go ahead and stand. We're going to sing a song. Just remain in your seats this morning and think about that and be praying be praying about those people that we can extend that mercy to. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. God bless you.